live and we're rolling. Welcome back to The Real Venture, a fresh perspective on real estate, technology, and business trends for young entrepreneurs by young entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Peyton, joined as always by my co-host, Luke. Luke, what's up, man? What's up, Peyton? Uh, I, I'm doing I'm doing not too bad. Are you doing all right? I know you've uh, you've kind of been out and about and it's been a, it's been a busy week for you. It, it has been a busy week. I actually just got back from Florida. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a ginger redhead, so I am uh, completely sunburnt all over. I don't know if the camera's picking it up, but like <laughs> my neck and everything, like I got, I got fried in my three days there, but, uh, I'm happy to be back in back in Austin. Uh, so today we're joined by Krish. Krish is an entrepreneur. He's a musician. Um, and we're really excited to introduce him to you because really at the end of the day, uh, he's doing something that is very similar to what any other entrepreneur is doing in that, you know, he's having to go off the beam path. He's going out on his own to try to build something. Um, and we're really excited to, uh, to have him share his story with you. Uh, so without further ado, Peyton. All right. We are now joined by Krish. Krish, why don't you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Tell us, uh, you know, who you are and, and what you do. Yeah, um, I'm Krish. I make music, R&B, hip hop music. Um, I was originally grew up in Michigan and went to the University of Michigan. Music wasn't my like end goal at that time. I was trying to become a doctor. I majored in neuroscience and I majored in business. Um, and took the MCAT, did everything. But at the end of the day, I, after college, after I graduated, I realized that I wanted to do music. And that's when I started pursuing it and like learning how to produce, learning how to mix and master myself and write. Because I've always sang ever since I was little. My parents put me in like these Indian classical song classes where <clears throat> you would just basically I had to sing in front of like 5000 people when I was like eight by myself on stage and I was literally losing my mind because I was so nervous but I I just sort of learned music from that space and then I had an acapella group that I had in college but that really wasn't my thing and then I just decided why not let me just do it and became it was my passion and it just became that in fruition after but yeah that's a little bit about me <laughs> there we go you know I I love hearing people's like origin stories like that because, you know, everybody like when, when they're growing up and going through, uh, you know, elementary school, you know, you're always asked like, what do you want to be when you grow up and doctor, astronaut, lawyer, uh, and, and then you go to school for that. And then I would love to know what the percentage of people that actually do what their degree in college is like, is like set up to yeah. do. Right. Cause I, I mean, there's no way, you know, there's like an above, you know, sixty percent success rate uh, with actually going down the the field you're in. I feel like everybody makes a, you know, ma- makes a little switch up like that. So that's a, you yeah, know, a that's a story up. a lot of people. Yeah, Doctor just, just switch up. Hip hop artist. <laughs> yeah, <right>. very common. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I know a ton of people who majored in finance that are not doing anything related to finance or many other things like that. You know, so it and mine is a little more extreme, if you could say that especially since it's music versus like neuroscience. But I think a lot of people, I'm Indian, so a lot of kids that are sons and um, daughters of immigrants, like they are pushed into that space of becoming a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And once they do it, they realize like, yo, I'm doing this for my parents and not for myself. And at the end of the day, I got to be happy with myself. And sure, they might not agree with me now, but let me prove myself right so I can give them a reason to believe in me. So like... It's sort of like that whole 
com- yeah. convoluted atmosphere that you got to fight against. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, Chris, kind of like taking it just like a little bit further with that origin story. Can you describe to us kind of the process of now you're now you're a popular musician, but you know, kind of you started out and you had to start somewhere, right? And so, like, what was what was that like? Like, how how did you grow? How did you kind of like start with producing and learning about all that stuff? I mean, uh, it's pretty overwhelming, I'm sure. Yeah. So I, since I did neuroscience and business, I moved out to Austin, Texas after Ann Arbor, and um, I actually worked at Oracle, and I still do actually. <laughs> that was my <laughs> that's my nine to five. And basically that was, I realized very quickly that wasn't my passion, wasn't my calling. So as a result, I started doing music after and I learned how to produce, mix, master. And trust me at the beginning, it sucked. Like (laughs) it, you, but you look back at it and you think it, and you're like, damn, I really made some shitty music back then. But at the time you were like, man, this is fire. Like, let me show everyone that I know. And then you quickly realize like, when you're starting something new and when you when you want to go out of the lane that's like a cookie cutter lane for you people aren't going to be supporting you like your best supporters will be strangers first first and foremost versus the people that you know and it, it's weird how it is but that's just how it always is and for me that's what i've experienced and i had to push and really song by song learn how to market myself and it didn't it took me like 2 years of just learning how to mix master everything record i would record in like my room would be straight like right after work until like 3 a.m and then i'd go wake up i didn't even sleep i still i still kind of don't sleep it's just part of it but it's just it's hard it's hard at the beginning but i think it's like very similar to many different like if you're gonna try something new and try something that people haven't done as much before and it's like a new area like say you become a youtuber like that people aren't gonna believe in you until you hit that 100k sub thing you know what i'm saying so it's like that type of you just gotta push and write your goals down and figure it out you know that right there that needs to be sound clipped for us because that is like the essence of (laughs) of what we're trying to do here because you know everybody sits at home and you know they have all these crazy dreams and hey you know i want to go you know be this really successful uh you know person in business i want to be a successful musician youtuber whatever the case may be but like ultimately everybody just sits on their couch and just wonders and nobody actually takes that step because it's scary like mm-hmm. i mean we started a podcast because we wanted to talk to interesting people and and learn but like everybody kind of like you know m- would make fun of you or you know not really be crazy supportive until stuff starts rolling but like once you make that leap of faith, then you're golden. Like to quote Jack Harlow, you know, like the ones who hate you the most look just like you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, yeah. it's the people that, you know, that you are with on a daily basis who probably have very similar dreams. And then, you know, a little bit of animosity kind of pops up because you're actually trying it and, and you're going to fail. Like, oh yeah, you know, Luke, Luke and oh, I will, yeah. will, will be the first ones to, to tell you that, you know, we've tried to start some businesses together and some of them haven't worked and some are starting to work. And, you know, I mean, we count this as a business too. So we'll, you know, we don't know what this is going to, yeah. So it's just, you got to try it. So, yeah. I mean, oh, you go, go ahead. I was just going to say like, like I've seen people like, like going off of like the independence, like you're going to have, you're going to fail. You're going to always do that. But if you learn something from it, that's the biggest thing. And if you don't learn anything, Hey man, we're young enough to, to figure it out, you know? And mm-hmm. also like you figure out like, People are going to hate on you. I know people who like what your Jack Harlow quote. That's why I thought of this. It's like, I know people that I went to college with that 
hated on my shit at the beginning. I got screenshots from some of my best friends of like, yo, look at this. And I'm like, all right, let me use this as motivation. It's sort of like I think of like Dwayne Wade used to take out, um, he used to cut out little or read the newspaper before every game just to see what other players were saying about him or what they did in the other game and shit like that. And the more people started hating on him, the better he did because not because of them, but it made him realize like, yo, there's a reason why I've always been motivated to do this. And let me real, let me hammer in on that. I'm not going to only, that's like the last 5% of the motivation, but that will remind me that the first, not the first 95%, that's the reason why I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think the other thing um, that's a little scary about kind of like jumping into something uh, that's like a little off the beaten path is like, you, you need to make money, you need to find a way to live, you want to, you know, kind of have a way to save up for retirement and all these, these things, you, you have monetary goals as well. Um, and especially with doing things like music or starting a business from scratch, any of that. It's hard. You don't make money right away and it takes time. Um, you know, that's, and that's one thing that I've been super interested in is creators in general and, you know, musicians specifically, how do you go about, you know, monetizing and, you know, maybe you're not at a point where you're fully self-sustained yet, but like, and how are you growing to that point? Yeah. So the biggest thing with music is you have to create sort of like a, a fan base that believes in not only your music, but your story and who you're trying to become in the future with your music. And that's like the biggest thing because um, monetizing can come from merchandise. It can come from streaming sales. It can come from like actual sales of like iTunes sales. It can come from um, touring. It can come from, there's a lot of different things, brand partnerships for socials. Like, and that only becomes exponentially higher, the bigger you become. So the first thing I like at the beginning, you're going to take, it's a, it's an investment. It's like a, you're just throwing money in, a well and not looking at the end, but soon that well is going to fill up and you're going to be like, all right, like here we are. And that's sort of how music is. And I am making money from music, but like you're saying, self-sustainability comes at a certain point where you can leverage, yo, you got to pay me 40 K for me to post this on Instagram and for like a couple months, or you got to do this and that for me to, um, for me to be working for you. And that's where it is. And I can sell my merch. I can tour, unfortunately COVID, but, all that shit, all that shit, like combined, it's just. At first, you're not gonna make money, but you gotta believe in the vision and believe in the end goal, and that's just how it is with everything. Yeah, and pre and pre COVID, so we'll get back to the monetization thing in a second. But I had a question for you that you kind of just led into, um, that is like super interesting to me. So, have you been on tour like before COVID? Did you go on tour? I I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I I because mainly at a job and also at the same time it's just i was growing like i grew the most so far in the past year than i have the past two and a half years before that so so like yeah so out of the three and a half years so far the the first two and a half years were basically like okay like let me release some of my songs and try to grow as much as i can but that sort of led into like you got to learn every single aspect so i would I would release my own videos. I'd edit my own shit. I would try to learn how to catch the attention of people. And marketing is the biggest thing for whatever you do. And if, you, for example, you guys should do clips or whatever. I know you are probably going to do that. Post them on YouTube. Do all your do all the due diligence, and you got to figure out what makes you different and how you can leverage that. So, what makes you different? So, what are like some of the things that you're doing that kind of sets you apart from you know your competition, if you will? Mm-hmm. A lot of it is it's sort of tied into my background because 
a lot of people resonate, especially in like the Indian American, whatever, if you're an immigrant kid or whatever situation that you're from, your parents have predetermined like things that the a majority of parents have predetermined things of like, all right, my kid's probably going to do this. He's going to major in this. He's probably going to get a job in corporate America. And then he'll, maybe he'll go high up in the ranks, become a C-level executive and that's it. Like if you go against that, that's going to be like weird. And do you, it's just, do you think that going against it, do you think that that's kind of like a battle for like security? Like there is such a set oh, yeah. security with oh, yeah. going down that corporate nine to five route. And then, you know, you kind of say like, you know, forget that. And I'm going to go do music. And then the security goes completely out the window. And that's probably what freaks out a lot of parents in, in a situation like you just described. And it's valid. Like imagine your kid becoming an artist and you're like, what the heck? Like I didn't pay or pay one through 18 all your field trips, all your whatever, just to become like going to music. I wanted to become a doctor. And it's just like, all right, like I understand, but there's a reason like, sure, it's going to be that security risk. But at the same time, I have to be afforded the same opportunities as like you did when you were in your 20s. When you, for example, in my case, when my parents came from um, India and they moved to uh, the United States in their late 20s, early 30s, like they were able to do that. And if I did that, I would also get the lashback. They got the lashback from their parents, but they just don't realize it. You know, everyone takes those risks and you need to. Otherwise, like, it, I don't, nobody wants to look back 30 years from now and be like, damn it. Like, I really didn't do it. Dude, take any risks. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. And so um, I, I guess on the touring thing, are you, are you thinking that that's going to be something you're going to be able to do, uh, after COVID's done? I mean, obviously you said you've grown more in the last year than the last two and a half. So, um, yeah, are you excited for that? I mean, we, we're coming up here on uh, pandemic ending. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully soon, man. I don't know how things are going to keep going, especially, I don't know. There's a new strain in Brazil, apparently. Guys, it's, it, it's over in Texas though. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, over yeah. in Texas. In Texas. Yeah. It never so, started in Texas. Yeah. No, it never happened. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically definitely in the plans. Uh, I'm going to keep growing as much as I can until COVID ends. And then after that, I'm probably going to do, um, United States tour. And then after that, I'll do a world tour or like, or at least Europe, at least Europe. I don't know. Absolutely. Get out there, man. Yeah. I don't know how, like, uh, I got to figure out how after I, after COVID ends, I'll figure it all out. But that's my, that's my goal. What's your dream venue to play in? Oh, or not to play in and to, to perform in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I MSG. guess, I would say, yeah. MSG or maybe the O three. Like it's in, it's in England. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Uh, those are, those are like some of my, I don't know. Also staples. If you, I don't know. Is it still called staples? Yeah. In LA? Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's, a, that's what, like 40,000 people, but MSG's what, like a hundred thousand. I don't yeah. know. It's ridiculous. You gotta, like that. you gotta get Wrigley, man. The best concert I've ever been to is Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field. No and way. You're in, you're in Chicago, yeah. right? Yeah. Right now so, I am. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just right down the road, man. Just, you know, knock on the door and see if you can just <laughs> make it happen. Soon. That's, in, that's the goal. Like you gotta, especially with touring and musicians, you gotta build up to it. And like, yeah. I'm going to do like, a thousand people venues first or 400 even and 400 to a thousand thousand to five and you know what i'm saying so it, it slowly grows yeah so that's uh, um an interesting point you mentioned this earlier uh, in a couple of ways but um growing your fan base like that's a kind of probably right now the name of the game like that's the most important thing that you can do um you know we're in kind of the same boat albeit like 
way, 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 way earlier and smaller. Um, but the idea of going from like 10 people who care about you to a hundred people to a thousand people, like what is, what was your process? Is it the same? How, how has that evolved to, uh, to growing your fan base? A lot of it is it's evolved to really explaining my story because before like they'll they'll gravitate towards dope music, but then they'll gravitate towards dope music, meaning they'll gravitate towards that one song, and that one song won't give you a returning fan for for like seventy five percent of the time. They'll they'll be like, all right, this one song's dope, and then that's it. But what you what I've learned is like putting out my story, putting out like behind the scenes of music videos, which I recently did, like putting out different like videos that people can connect with and and connect with you as a person and on top of that your music is dope because the the artists of like the early 2010s or the last of like a dying breed of like a major label really pushed them to to like become that sort of status so i think like drake j cole kendrick like those are the last of like a dying breed of these are those figures and we your music was already playing. There's already dope. Like you grew up in an era where CDs were a thing. There's very sparse. Like at the beginning of the 2010s, there wasn't as much um, interaction between fans and like artists. But now there is, and you have to, you have to be able to connect with them. So yeah, it, you know, it almost kind of seems like the format is, is you have a dope song, it gets everybody in the door. And then if you don't have any supporting substance, i.e. any other good songs on your album or anything that can remotely connect with somebody else, they're just going to leave. Like they might add your one song to their playlist, but they're not going to put the whole album in. Exactly. It's like getting your song in a really dope Spotify playlist by Spotify, but that one song will be cool and you'll get money from it. You'll get streams, some fans, but if they check your page and you only have like like one other shitty song, it's not going to work. And if they check your socials, you're like only posting cover arts of your music. That's mm -hmm. not going to work. Like they're not going to connect with you, but yeah, you can figure it out. You just got to <laughs> do it by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that's a, an iterative process. You kind of just figure it out as you go a little bit. Yeah. Um, you'd mentioned like, there's a lot of uh, different income streams that you have, like as a, as a, you know, an artist, um, you know, you'd mentioned like streaming and merchandise and, and a few others. Um, and you're doing this all alone, right? And so, like, how do you manage all of that stuff, right? Like, is it like Excel sheets and and bunch of random things, or or is there are there more like formal tools and whatnot that you use? Honestly, everything's on like Google Sheets or my Notes app on my iPhone. Um, a lot of the good, like, for example, with merch and other like touring and stuff like that, you ninety percent of the game is connections, man. Like, you gotta you gotta be able to find the right reseller, the right person that will get you in the door and maybe they make merch for a bunch of different um, artists and they're like a really dope person themselves. They can give you an introduction to an artist that you would never have done music with before. And like, I usually like with everything, like I've, that's, I realized that this past year, like you can do as much hard work as you can in your room alone and you can market as hard as you can. But the same person who does, who did, 10% of the work that you did, but they knew the right person, they're going to get 10 times as far as you because they took the time to use that, that whatever connection that they have from either a family friend or someone that they work with to get to that point. So, yeah, it's it, at the end of the day, like you said, it's all about networking. Like, and the one thing I, I want everybody to understand is like, if you have 
connections like that through family and friends, like you're not cheating by using that. You're it's a it's a disservice to yourself and to your brand and whatever company you're trying to do if you don't. So like I, I just you know I kind of hate that people are always like oh I can just do it all on my own. Like no, mm-hmm. t- take advantage of of what you have you know in front of you. I mean that's a blessing in itself. Leverage it, and if you don't, then you know shame on you, kind of thing. And it's not gonna all come in at once. Like no. For example, you gotta, you gotta, you're gonna have to put in the work and do shit by yourself. But people who say they did everything by themselves, that's pretty selfish of them to say because there's someone that connected them with someone to get to a certain place. There's someone who gave them, for example, in a music space, a great recommendation to someone who writes blogs, and they got them onto a there, and then they got featured on Apple Music, and then they did all that. Like you, there's many different levels, and your music can be as dope as can be dope as hell. But if you don't have those connections, it's not gonna click. Yeah, man. That uh, we're we're kind of learning some of that uh, as well. Um, so I've I've heard from uh, the the grapevine, I guess, that um, you're interested in crypto, um, uh, non fungible tokens, to be more specific. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to to get into that. I mean, I've I've been pretty into that for a little while now. Uh, so I guess like to to kind of start this off for our listeners as well as you know just kind of like to learn a little bit more about this would you mind kind of giving like your like you know brief understanding of how nfts work uh as well as like what your goal with respect to them are yeah um nfts are really cool because they let you monetize things that were basically controlled by certain figures in the creative industry so for example with art dealers there's certain art resellers and Mona Lisa can sell for this much, but how much can a digital version of it sell for? And there's, it gives the artist or whether that be painting or music, whatever, the capabilities to sell their digital assets and give them either in portions or in whole to a certain individual or group. And it gives us the power to have a different revenue stream because it allows us to not only get the streaming money from Spotify, or Apple Music, YouTube, etc., but be able to give out sort of equity in a song to a new individual that will, in return, possibly sell it, and you get returns on that. Um, overall, I think NFTs are really cool right now. It's kind of, I've I've heard of a lot of people making a ton of money off of it. Um, not only just painters and um, visual artists, but musical artists as well. For example, I've heard like beat packs being sold and other um, really like dope artists selling kicks, snares, hi-hats, like all those different um, sounds and their parts of their catalog. It's still up in the air of like, it, is it worth an, a smaller artist to be doing that and putting their time and money into it? Yeah, I don't know. It's just, so you're yeah. saying that there's a little bit of an opportunity cost then. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, for that opportunity cost, I mean, what, what does it actually take to make one? Like, I mean, like what, what, what is the effort that you have to put forward in order to, to produce an NFT? Um, personally, I, I think you have to pay like around 200 something dollars to set yours up and be able to post it as an individual NFT. But I might be wrong on that number, but that's like the average of what I've heard. And from there, you have to be able to market your music in your own network. So whether that be like into your social media network or your individual network, 
you got to be able to put the money and time into being like, yo, this is worth value. Let me find the right people to actually, it's sort of like eBay. You got to have someone bid really high on it. That's when you're going to get higher bids and higher bids. And there's going to be something that's worth it. Because for example, if you hit the studio, you bought the beat, whatever, from a producer, probably like $200 if you want the real, like nice, like nobody else is going to take your shit. And then you pay for studio time. That's going to end up, just the studio time being like 300 and then from there you got to have a mix and master that's probably another 700 to 1000 if you want to do it right so then that kind of adds up like do you and you're going to put putting marketing behind it it's in it itself do, do you want to just rely on tiktok and put all your money into like ads on social media to grow your stuff or do you want to grow your music platforms itself, like Spotify, something that's established, or do you want to do an NFTs? It's like, depends on how you approach it. And if you, and if you have the right connections to, like, if your Snoop Dogg is going to bid on my NFT, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. But if I don't have someone that can do it in that stratosphere, it might be an opportunity cost that you just have to explore a little more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really, uh, you, you hit on a good point with that, which is like a lot of the money and the big numbers that we see with NFTs are kind of coming from like very high profile people. Um, you know, like Elon Musk tweets something, it's like a song in a video that's like a joke about NFTs and some guy's bidding a million dollars for it, right? Like if I go out there and I make the same thing and I say, hey, does anybody want exactly. this? Right? Nobody's going to buy it for a million dollars. Um, and so it's a lot more about kind of like being in that kind of, that atmosphere of like, you know, if Drake was to release a song and say, oh, whoever gets this is like the only person who gets access to the song. Um, you know, that, yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's so, going to be like, that would be worth like so much. Many millions of dollars, <laughs> right? And then, then there's the guy who sold his, uh, his um, collage of paintings, people, the guy who sold for 69 million bucks in some art auction, right? Like that's crazy, right? If that was accessible to anybody, that'd be uh um, amazing, yeah. but it's not really right. Like he's like a very like well-known digital artist. And then it finally becomes possible for digital art to be like unique in some capacity. And so it's like, yeah, he's the guy who's going to get it. Um, the, the ones that are, the ones that are crazy to me are like the, um, like the NBA token ones, like I have a couple of those. Yeah. The yeah, top shots, like, some. you know, there, there's 30, some. you got some. Yeah, I do. <laughs> what, which, uh, which, ones? What, which ones do you have? I have, uh, this Donovan Donovan Mitchell, it's one. It's like I think it's bidding around two k, which is nice. I paid fifteen dollars for the pack. Yeah, but, let's go. Um, the other two are bidding around like two hundred or three hundred, but that's still dope for paying fifteen. Yeah. Dude. yeah. So like sure. when you when you bought when you bought those, there's like forty of them, right? Like you own the twenty third out of forty of there, them, right? There's a lot. There's a lot. Like there's some like six hundred versions of like one. There's, so there can be a lot. So, I mean, this is one thing I just, I just don't understand. Um, I mean, obviously you want the higher, the number, right? The higher, the number up the scale, right? One out of 40, two out of 40, those are going to be worth more. Why, if it's like, why is it worth more if it's the same picture? Like what, what's the benefit of having one out of 40 instead of the 22nd? It's sort of like you want the first vintage Babe Ruth card, not the hundredth, you know? Even and, though they're both vintage cards, you still yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. because I mean, that's just how the that sports like yeah. world works. And so, like, yeah, go for it. No, no, you go for. It. I was gonna, I was gonna pivot to kind of another part of this. So finish, finish your thought. Oh, for sure. Like the reason why I got into it was because one of my friends like randomly bought a pack for ninety nine dollars, pulled it out, and he got like number twenty four out of like 
10,000. I think if there's more than to like a certain amount, it's crazy. And that thing is worth like 15, 20 K. And it's just Sheesh. ridiculous. Like you, and you just wake up one day, you're like, all right, let me spend $99 in sports cards randomly on the internet that aren't even tangible. And <laughs> you make 20 K <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, and so like one of the thoughts that I had around like how, you know, creators, musicians specifically could benefit from having, you know, NFTs be like a significant part of their, uh, their ecosystem um, is like the ability to issue either very early on in your career things that says basically like, Hey, like I'm a fan of Chris. I've been there since day one. Like you can see it, like here's digital proof that I was like his fifth fan. Um, you know, things like that, which I feel like over time, you know, those appreciate in value, like the, the ability to say that you were on the Chris bandwagon early. Uh, and when you blow up, you know, everyone's like, I was there. Um, and, and stuff like that, as well as like, you were kind of mentioning this earlier with like equity, but, uh, but revenue sharing and things like that as it relates to songs and whatnot. So you can get kind of like uh, funding into, you know, letting you get the production equipment, letting you get education, whatever the case may be. Um, and having your fans participate in that funding. I mean, is there like a reasonable thing in that? No, that that's actually a dope idea. I I just thought of that like with NBA Top Shot. Like what if you had like certain labels, whoever signed artists, release cards that have like the same whatever, one through hundred of, for example, Lil Wayne off of Young Money. Like that yeah. would that would be a lot of money. <laughs> like that would be yeah. a lot of fucking money where you would just like uh, that's a huge revenue stream and you'd obviously give a percentage to the artists and independent artists should be able to do that themselves too. I think that's dope. There's also this audio streaming service. I think I mentioned it prior to when we started was um, where you can just post your music onto a streaming site, which is dedicated towards um, like crypto and you get audio um, crypto from it, which is on certain exchanges, which is sort of like the NFT route of like, Hey, I want to be able to control 100% of my music and get the right royalties for it. Yeah. The uh the thing that would be really cool about like getting that that token to say that you're like, you know, everybody's like, "Oh, you know, I discovered that person like before you did." Right? You know, like that's like yeah. a conversation you have with your friends, but like now this is like actual proof. You're like, "No, like yeah. legit. <laughs> I was the 14th person to get this like ever." Yeah. Um the other the other kind of use I, I potentially see, so like, you know, artist releases their album, there's 15 songs on it, and then they come out with like that deluxe track or like that bonus one. I mean, like almost you could you could set it up in a way that, you know, if you like listened to the 14 songs like a certain amount of time, then like you're eligible to actually listen to the bonus track. So it's not like somebody's just like skipping all that just because they want to hear that one song. Um, you know, like yeah. you actually have to like, contribute to the artist financially in order to even be you know rewarded with that kind of thing i'm sure audience can do that like they it's just another streaming service like spotify or apple music but they they probably have that capability of like if you listen through everything you get that opportunity to purchase a singular nft of whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Chris, I have another thought on this. And one of the cool things about NFTs, there's a site called Zora. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Um, they do kind of like, they're very much in the space as well. And it might be worth your time to check it out. There's a, an artist called Rack who's very much into this RAC. I don't know if it's actually pronounced Rack, but uh, he's mm -hmm. very much into Zora and he's tweeting about all this stuff. Um, and, uh, and one of the cool features that they have uh, is um, as the token resells, continues to resell. So let's say it's, you know, your number one fan card um, and it resells and you're mentioning having this kind of like percentage of uh, the resale value continues to come to the artist. 
um, is this idea of, of price discovery um, that is like benefits the artist. So as you kind of determine what something's worth via the markets, so people keep bidding on something, and as they continue to sell it to each other, you keep making money off of that. Um, do you do you see other things that that kind of concept can be applied to concert tickets, you know, exclusive album sales, other things that would be interesting to have that mechanism in it? Concert tickets, oh. I don't, there's a huge um, resale for that stuff, right? You know, yeah. like you, you buy it for ninety bucks, and if you try to rebuy it, two hundred twenty or something, right? Yeah, no, I think that's there's definitely so many different avenues now that NFTs sort of monetize every single aspect of everything. Like, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you see an NBA Top Shot, like a crossover, a dribble, like come on, dog, <laughs> like, like a bounce pass <laughs> going for a million dollars. Like I know, bro. Like <laughs> it's saucy, but I mean, I don't know if it's like million dollars worth. Hey it's just like the stock market shit really isn't worth as much as they say it is but hey, <laughs> if somebody if somebody's gonna pay it then somebody's buying yeah if somebody's buying sell. it you might as well sell it kind of thing exactly um but on that topic of like monetizing it like maybe you can monetize certain portions of your youtube videos like vlogs like i recently released a, a vlog of like our la trip that we did just for a couple of our music videos and say someone wanted to purchase like one of the transitions or like one of the behind the <laughs> scenes behind the scenes of like a, this first look at the music video shoot. So you can do that with any artist. Honestly, it's a dope idea. And if people want to pay for it, gladly. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Let me just set it up for you. But um, I think things are gearing towards it. Everything's getting monetized. And why not own a piece of, I guess, artist history in the meantime? Exactly. You know, I, no. I see it. this. I see this like being a good opportunity for like uh, you know everybody else that's associated in the content creation game, like the editors, the video producers, because they might do some really dope stuff. And like you said, like cool transitions, you know, weird camera angles and stuff like that. So like being able to like you know like you're set up to work with somebody and you do it on their videos, but being able to actually sell like your really cool transition that's proprietary to you, I mean that that sets them up to be exposed to monetization that they normally would never see. Yeah. So for example, say Cole Bennett just did one of his music videos that he did with, whether it be Kanye or whether that be with anybody that he's worked with, just snip two seconds of that. I swear that would be a couple hundred thousand dollars just for that one snippet. Even if people know how to do it, it's a Cole Bennett video that he did with Kanye. Like, come on. <laughs> so can you, can you clip like, like DJ Khaled, like yelling his name? Oh like, my god! That's like like he could he could he could clip that right or like <laughs> Mike will made it or like any of those like little uh, yeah, you know yeah. Kane is in the but whatever it may be like they need to start clipping those like that's that's a gold mine. I I think it's very untapped and like NFTs are on that on a very fragile server right now because I think there's like a couple of companies that are the seed companies of all this like they've been around for years but there's they're like lines of code that aren't backed up by multi-billion dollar industries. So it's very tough to say, hey, I'm going to purchase this for $60 million and let me be content with it and not worry about it every single second until I resell it, you know? who Who's scared of this becoming a thing? Like who does this directly affect in a negative way? Is it is it the big labels, like you said? Um, like, you know, who who should be concerned that these are becoming a thing? I think the big labels are already scared of like TikTok and shit, but at the same time, they have. So the way labels work is Spotify is the biggest music platform, and Tencent Holdings owns basically all of Spotify. 
And Tencent Holdings also has portions in every single label. So all the labels have ownership in Spotify already, which they it's like indirect. So mm-hmm. basically, they're all set in the major music platform. I think if Audius and these other music platforms that don't have any ties to these major record labels go into like NFTs with music streaming, etc., that will make them scared. I don't think selling NFTs of certain individual artists will because it would just leverage them to offer the artists a larger deal. I think that's the that's the end of the end of the game and the artists like it's hard to grow as an artist but these independent artists that are getting huge they have the opportunity to create their NFTs and that's definitely going to be something the labels going to be interested in monetizing and they're going to get the back end anyways probably. So it might it might scare them off, but they're going to be making money regardless. I think the streaming services with NFTs are the scariest thing for them. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I, we're uh, we're probably running low on time here. I was just going to say another thing about you know NFTs that I think is um, you know a potentially interesting you know issue with all of it is like if if DJ Khaled makes a snippet of this thing that's just, you know him saying DJ Khaled. Um, you know, one, what's stopping somebody else from just making the exact same NFT again and, and reselling it? That's one potential problem. The other problem is NFTs are only unique on a specific blockchain. So the actual database that's holding all this information and there's you know, quite a few blockchains that exist. So um, the idea that you could just sell the same thing on a different blockchain, doesn't that kind of invalidate the authenticity of the thing? So there's like a lot of, I think, problems that are going to need to be worked out there. Um, I, I'm not sure if you have an opinion on any of that, but uh, it, does that scare you at all? The fact that you just be copied and, and yes, it's like authentic, but like authentic to who and, and why. And it's a little different than a painting that is uh, one of a kind or a physical asset that it literally is its own thing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. It's definitely weird. I mean, there's pictures. So like Mona Lisa is one thing. And then there's pictures of the Mona Lisa on Google Images, but it doesn't devalue the Mona Lisa. So like, that's why that's sort of like the mindset I'm thinking about. But also at the same time, I I don't know. It's it's just a very, very flip floppy space right now. And you just got to test the waters. I'm going to test the waters and figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth it, like, especially if it's, you know, low enough cost. And, and you should be able to make NFTs for cheaper than 200 bucks, but uh, we can talk about that later. Probably. Um, I don't know why. Just, <laughs> that's what I heard. Well, I mean, it probably is somewhere. Um, the other thing, I don't know if you if you have any thoughts on this. The uh, So, like, for NBA Top Shot, right, like, the video that, that is, like, in that NFT is owned by somebody, right? It's owned by the NBA. It's owned by the NBA. And so, yeah. right, so if, if the NBA says, like, okay, Dapper Labs, the people who run Top Shot, like, we don't want to deal with you anymore, like, next year, they're like, okay, screw this NFT thing. Like, we're not making enough off of it or whatever. Um, like, what happens to your video? Like, your $15,000 video is just, like, gone, right? Because the NBA owns it. Yeah, so, like, it's what like happens? the same thing with the servers, right? Like, if you yeah. own people, the guy who bought that painting for $65 million could be gone tomorrow if, if someone, something happens to the company. Yeah. I don't know. It's let's ride the train while we can. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> until it falls over. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's awesome. Peyton, any any other things? We don't want to take too much of your time, Chris. We appreciate all of it. Of course. No, you're good. No, Chris, I just, you know, I want to thank you so much for uh, for hopping on today and, and talking with us. It was a, it was a blast. Um, so where, uh, for everybody that's listening, uh, you know, go ahead and plug your social media. Where can they find you? Where can they, uh, where can they listen to you? Where could they potentially maybe buy an NFT in the future from you? <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, you can find me. All my socials are at uh, Krish, which is K-R-I-S-H underscore 
uh, records, R-E-C-O-R-D-S, you know, it is. Um, and you can find all my links on my socials as well. You can just search Krish um, on the streaming services. might be hard just because there's a lot of Krishes, and I had to beat out a lot of Krishes to be where I'm at right now. But you can always find me on socials, and from there you can stream me. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, Luke, but I I actually really enjoyed that conversation. I thought that was a blast. Yeah, no, he's got uh, a lot of interesting perspectives. I love the uh, the fact that not only is he kind of like on the growth stage of his uh of his business, but he's also like, you know, very much um, into kind of trying new things, hence the NFTs. And, you know, he's going to be starting touring here soon. It was, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. And, you know, and then ultimately, like just the essence throughout the entire, uh, you know, the entire interview. I mean, like, dude is a grind boy. Like he is, like he said, you know, he finishes nine to five, he goes and he works on music to 3am, rinse, repeat. I mean, that's the, that's the spirit of an entrepreneur. And, you know, he, I thought he did a really good job of, of laying out, you know, success won't come instantly. Um, it's going to take a lot of work. And then I also thought like his personal story about, you know, deviating from the path that was expected by his, by his parents, for example. Um, and, you know, kind of losing that, that, that security of, of the typical nine to five corporate job and, and going out and doing his own yeah, venture. I mean, I mean, like for me, even right. Like, I, I mean, I think about what he's saying and it, it's exactly kind of the same experience that I've had and that like, you know, I'm choosing to do something that's not going to work at Google or uh, Salesforce or one of these, you know, huge tech companies. Uh, and I'm just instead deciding to kind of try to make it on my own and, uh, you know, build up businesses to kind of keep myself going. And, um, you know, f- family, friends, all of it's kind of like, like, Luke, why, like, what are you doing? And so it, it's, um, you know, yeah, you're, uh, you said it, you know, the ones that look like you hate you the most, uh, the Jack Harlow song. I don't remember <laughs> the quote, but, uh, um, yeah, it's a hundred percent, hundred percent accurate. Yeah, no, I mean, today, this was a, this was a great episode. Uh, you know, shout out to Chris for, uh, for joining us today. And, uh, you know, most importantly, thank you for, uh, you know, all the listeners. Uh, I mean, you guys have been awesome. Uh, we've rolled out, this is going to be the fourth episode and, you know, we've had a tremendous amount of support, um, from, from all of you guys and you, know, you guys are writing in, um, we're almost at 40 reviews on the Apple podcast, uh, which is, which is insane. So we appreciate all of those continue to, to like subscribe, follow, um, all of those different things because it, it really helps out the podcast yeah no, and for sure. uh and you know lastly you know continue to, the conversation with us on all of our social media all the links will be below uh in the uh, in the description of the episode either on spotify apple uh, or wherever else you consume it and then now that you know we got our video up and rolling uh, all of this will be on youtube you'll see all these clips and stuff so uh you know continue the interaction and uh you know we look forward to uh to seeing you guys out there keep it real everybody <laughs>